0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: Many of you in golf know Colin Burns. He was the general manager at Wingfoot in Westchester, New York for 30 years before becoming chief operating officer at the Apogee Club in Hope Sound, Florida, with three signature courses and villas being built and most recently, Colin received the 2023 Lifetime Achievement Award from the Monaco U.S. Celebrity Golf Cup by Prince Albert of Monaco. Congratulations, Colin. Welcome to Talkin' Golf.
2: That sounds exhausting, Anne. Good morning. How are you?
1: <laughs> wow. Well, you've had a very long and storied career, so I had to give you a little bit of your due here. But man, you travel in some high circles for sure. <laughs>
2: I have to tell you, of all the things that I did at Wingfoot in the 31 years, you know, hosting a couple of major championships, PGA championship, all kinds of things, the event that was just held in Monaco was off the charts, wonderful, fabulous, great group of people, uh, American athletes, Josh Scobie, there were some some European rugby players, one of the pussycat dolls was there, uh, a collection of of uber-wealthy, fun people. And Prince Albert himself, Anne, was absolutely charming.
1: Nice! What an honor! Lifetime Achievement Award. So, did you play golf with Prince Albert?
2: I did not. Actually, Prince Albert joined us for the uh, for the formal dinner, the black tie dinner at the Hermitage. Uh, he presented the, the award. That was co hosted by Pascal Grizot and Anne. You may know Pascal. He was the chairman of the 2018 Ryder Cup in Paris. Right. Um, and Pascal and met. Uh, Pascal and I met. Uh, In 1995, when he was first playing in the Anderson tournament at Wingford Golf Club, which he ultimately won in 1997.
1: I love that. So tell us, the U.S. Celebrity Golf Cup, what is it?
2: Well, uh, this is started by a woman named Susan Feaster. And Susan um, is is a resident of Monaco. Uh, She's a U.S. citizen. Her husband was a decorated uh, Army, I believe, colonel. Um, and after his passing, she decided that she wanted to you know, remain active in, in, uh, in sort of the social circle, the world of golf. Um, she became friends through some friends with Prince Albert. He has a charity um, that is primarily focused on sustaining um, the oceanic uh, environment of Monaco. So the two of them got together. Ultimately, Pascal Griseau got involved as the chairman of the 2018 Ryder Cup. They convinced him that it would be a good idea. And he was the first Lifetime Achievement Award winner because of the efforts he made in putting basically France uh, on the map in terms of golf. So the, the idea you know, was spawned from that. They raised money. They have multiple European sponsors. And so ultimately it's a charity that benefits the, the, uh, the ocean surrounding Monaco and Prince Albert's um, you know, charity related to that.
1: That's nice. So d- is that at a, a
2: course near there? Or? Well, actually what we did, and to make this even more of a whirlwind, is that We flew into Nice, uh, went two hours into Italy um, uh, near a town called Alisio, lovely, lovely inn that we stayed at. Uh, there was two days of golf there, and then we hopped on a shuttle, uh, arrived in Monaco late in the afternoon, uh, got settled in there, had a lovely dinner at this fabulous uh, estate that's right on the water. It was just absolutely stunning. And then uh, the next day was the dinner and then home. That's um, a quick and it trip. was It's set up in a Ryder Cup format, which is a lot of fun, so the Europeans uh, versus the Americans, and, uh, and ultimately the Europeans won, just like the uh, 2018 Ryder Cup, so it was sort of sad for us, but it was a great time for everyone.
1: I know, years ago I had the opportunity to play the Monte Carlo Golf Club, and yes. uh, that was fun, and then recently we were on this golf cruise, <laughs> believe it or not, it's actually this Costa golf cruise, and you can kind of select a golf excursion, if you'd like, huh. and we played in Aix-en-Provence, but we also played uh, Marco Simone outside of Rome, where the Ryder Cup's going to be. Oh, right how was October. that? Oh, my gosh. I really? loved it. It's a really fun golf course. I think as a venue for the Ryder Cup, it's going to be real exciting. Yeah. That's great. Of, uh, as a matter of fact, a
2: guy, and I'm going to blank on his last name, I apologize, uh, the chairman of the, of the 2023 Ryder Cup was with us as well at the dinner. Um, right. Pascal's counterpart. You know, what's funny, speaking of these these fabulous European golf clubs, we visited what may be the most unique place I've ever been to, Vida Golf Club. Hmm. And they have 30 members, um, super exclusive, a fabulously designed golf course uh, that was done by Robert Trent Jones uh, Sr., way back in the day, and it's in the middle of what looks like a nature preserve. There's donkey on the property. There's these fabulous tortoises that, they've, that they have uh, emblazoned their logo with, and it's really what, what a place. And that was about, I'd say, an hour out of Nice uh, in a town called Vitabon.
1: 30 members?
2: 30 members. <laughs> I
0: love that. I
2: think from, from somebody who managed a much larger facility than that uh, for all those years, yeah. the, the, the idea of 30 is just dreamy. Well,
1: speaking of 30, I mean, 30 years you served as GM at Wingfoot. Uh, so tell me, do you miss it, Colin?
2: Oh, I miss it all the time. and sure. It's one of the most – I mean, you know. You've been there plenty of times. It's such a special place. Um, and, you know, I wonder sometimes. Like, you know, it's it's still sort of new to me. By the way, I love what I'm doing at Apogee. This is a fabulous – and we can talk about that later. It's a fabulous facility. But in terms of Wingfoot, I do. I miss the people. I miss – I miss the, the people who I worked with, you know, guys, who, guys and gals who I was with for 30 years, watched them grow, watched their children grow. Same with the members. You know, it becomes a very close relationship. And so I think I miss that most of all is the, uh, the people, and I really do miss the action, you know, being at the front door like I always was for all those years, greeting everyone. And so, yeah, it, it is still a little bit bittersweet, but it will remain a part of me. I spent half my life there, literally. Wow. Um, so it will remain very, very close to me for forever.
1: And you were the executive director for the 97 PJ championships. Then they had the 2004 USAM, the 2006 2020 US Open championships, which I've covered all those. And what highlights stand out of all those major events in your, you must have such an extensive memory bank, but what highlight stands out?
2: I think, I mean, besides Ryan Moore coming back from a deficit to win the the 2004 U.S. Amateur, from a golf perspective, that was really special. I think from an emotional perspective, I can still close my eyes and see Phil and Amy and Bones in the locker room um, at Wingfoot after having lost the 2006 uh, U.S. Open. And that remains one of those memories, both, both good and bad, having gotten to know Phil during the week. Uh, but but such a disastrous ending. I think that's probably one of the things that I, I will reflect back on a lot because it was we had gotten to know each other. He was so gracious leading up to the event. He would always call before coming, um, you know, went for practice rounds. Just just super gracious. And we spent time during the week, which really was a lot of fun. We had dinner together, and um, you know, he really felt that it was it was his to to, to win. And uh, when it didn't happen, it was – I I think I took it very personally. I really took it to
1: heart. Sure. I mean, nobody can, you know, forget that. That 2006 U.S. Open, he needed a par in the 18th to win, ended up double bogeying the Uh, final hole, used driver off the tee. uh, The ball ball ended up (laughs) – it's painful to even go through it, right? The ball ended up in the hospitality tent. Then his next shot hit the tree. I mean, just crazy. And Jeff Ogilvie ended up with the victory and – you know, yeah. Phil had had yet to win a US Open which would have completed a career grand slam right. for him. But, you know, reading up on all that, he later said that his play in that final round was his single greatest short game performance of his career. He he struck the ball terribly, but he still yeah. had a chance to win the US open, so until that final hole, it's just crazy. Yeah,
2: he did. And you know, for me as still, you know, relatively young man at that time, I think the lesson I learned was the graciousness with which he uh, addressed the crowd, you know, after the cameras went off uh, and people were sort of, you know, shutting their TVs off at home, uh, he came out uh, to accept the, you know, the silver medal. And it was the manner in which he did that, that I think as I close my eyes, I can remember how gracious he wasn't bitter. He actually apologized, you know, and this wasn't covered. So. I
1: remember that, yeah. There,
2: you know, I mean, those of us who were there or, or you know, were or, or inside sort of the rope, so to speak, uh, saw that. And to me, it, it really, it, it stuck in my mind you know, and afterwards, we sent, we sent Phil a gift. I had the, the members. I left something at the front desk. We had over 400 signatures, and it was beautiful gold leaf and this iconic sort of, you know, um, calligraphy. And uh, I sent it to him, um, and it was, about, it was about great sportsmanship, being a great sport um, in, 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 you know, in sportsmanship, and oh. so being a gentleman. And I, I found this quote from the 1800s. It's beautifully done. So I sent it to him. I don't hear back from him. And he finally called me at home. Um, he'd gotten my home phone number and the conversation we had. And once again, typical Phil, he was, you know, he was apologizing and, and being very gracious. Thank us for the gift, the most lovely gift he'd ever received. And it was just that whole, I, I think all of those events, you know, sort of, you know, have formed in my mind this, this, again, this, this, this both good and bad, bittersweet memory of 2006.
1: Sure. And I I can't believe I remember this, but back in 97, I can remember exactly where that media tent was. (laughs) And I was doing updates every 20 minutes back then for WFAN. And then in 2020, the U.S. Open then, it was eerie, right? Because there were no spectators during COVID. And, you know, you're walking around uh, and – the only people there were those who were working, and then yep. of course Bryson DeChambeau hitting long bombs off the tee, blasting those short irons, and he wins it. So, a lot of fun memories. Not that, you know that was uh, a little different, twenty twenty, but boy, yeah. you've experienced it all, right?
2: Yeah, you know, moving. That was you know one of those things people have asked a lot about when I'm you know I'm out whatever, doing some you know, at a social event or a meeting of some kind. And what what that was like, like, remember I was sitting right where I am now, and it was March 13th, and the vendors were just about to start building the tents. And we had gone through great pains for five previous years between the security, New York State Police, the governor's office. I mean, the things that we had laid out, we thought we had such a fabulous plan. 45,000 people would be there, you know, in, in total. And we were on this phone call, and it was John Bodenhammer, very, very respected and dear colleague at the USGA. And it was, you know, the Brian Marcel, who was the, the, the chairman of the, um, of the U.S. Open, and, and some others. And we said, guys, we just, we can't do this. We can't build these tents, have them empty, kill all this turf, you know, deconstruct everything. It's just not going to happen. And that was one of those moments where we all, you know, breathe this, this, this heartfelt sigh of it was sort of, a, you know, this, this pang in our hearts that we had worked so hard to you know, rejuvenate the relationship with the USGA, get another US Open scheduled, and then to have it all just sort of vaporize. And then what we did was the next several months, we were on a, a weekly phone call trying to figure out the Masters schedule when they were going to schedule, uh, the NFL schedule, because suddenly, you know, we, we realized we were being pushed into the fall. And it was, it was one of those things that we just, we worked together. And, you know, Ann, I think to me, again, one of those really fond memories was the way the USGA, Wingfoot Golf Club, the executive committee, and people outside of our particular sort of realm um, worked together to make that fall happen. And while it wasn't great, you know, we had to keep resubmitting plans uh, to the governor's office, 10,000 people, then it became 5,000 people, then it became basically zero. Uh, It was, you know, 450 member volunteers, people from the press, players, and the whole bubble concept, you know, no one could come into the clubhouse Except players, so their managers, family, caddies, no one come in um, except a in, in, in handful of staff members. So from our perspective, it was kind of fun to be having breakfast next to you know Matt Fitzpatrick, and we we saw you know Adam Scott every every afternoon, um, and it was very intimate. And yes, there was certain certainly something eerie about it, um, but it was it was nonetheless a, a great U.S. Open. Bryson definitely uh, proved that he was uh, he was a better man. Um, you know, during that period, and I still run into him from time to time. You know, we had a great homecoming with him a year later, and uh, we you know, we flew him up from uh, from Liberty National up the Hudson in a helicopter. We had a ball. We had 500 people waiting for him, and he put on a clinic for the kids and signed every piece of paper handed to him. And it really was uh, it really was a great homecoming for a guy who, frankly, you know, a lot of Wingfoot members didn't know, and some of them you know, didn't didn't necessarily. Um, you know, weren't thrilled about him winning, not for any other reason, except they didn't know who he was. And when he came home, if you will, um, to Wingfoot uh, that next year, uh, it was nothing short of spectacular.
1: Yeah, he is a very nice guy and has gotten a bad rap in the past, but yep. uh, I know he means well. Anyway, Colin, we're out of time. I know you're the chief operating officer at a very exclusive new private facility called the Apogee. I want you to come back on in the, the very near future and tell us all about it. But congratulations on this to. Lifetime Achievement Award. It, it's just so well-deserved. And, uh, boy, we'll have you on again, Colin Burns. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on Talking Golf. And
2: thank you so much. Bye-bye.